0: One's sense of self-worth is often undone the first time one feels left out of the fun.
1: Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and today we're discussing in crowds, the groups of people that you grew up with and around who seem to be maybe a little more with it, than you possibly were. We're going to talk about the importance of belonging to the in-crowd and uh, how that can affect a child at an early age. Also, how can you balance being part of the crowd and also being who you think you want to be? And to help me talk about the book and talk about the very notion of in-crowds themselves, I have with me today the host of the Loose Cannon podcast, Caroline Fulford. Caroline, thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you, Phil. I'm excited to talk about this.
1: Yeah, so am I. So just so our audience knows, uh, what is the Loose Cannon podcast about?
0: Sure. Uh, It's me and a guest talking about a movie that my guest loves uh, for reasons that are usually personal rather than critical. uh, And they're usually movies that perhaps aren't as canonized within film study and fandom as perhaps they deserve to be.
1: Fantastic. So, uh, I forgot to mention the book is actually called the Berenstain Bears and the in crowd. It's from 1989. And Caroline, do you have any
0: kind of history
1: with in crowds yourself?
0: Oh, uh, well, I live in Bushwick, Brooklyn, so it's all just one big, in, <laughs> in big in crowd over here. Uh, yeah, definitely. This is, um, I mean we'll talk about it more but this is like kind of a heavy thing to talk to a kid about not because it's like you know especially you know dark or anything it's just kind of like it's one of those adult things that children do not get until they encounter it for the first time in their lives so this is definitely like operating on another level I think Right and it's
1: funny that you mentioned like it's a it's a pretty heavy thing because we tend to think of the heavy subjects we talk about with kids as like drugs and strangers and lying, but this is actually one of those things that kids are going to encounter from one angle or another.
0: Oh, totally. And it's also just like, it doesn't really have like a reason to it or anything. Like the, the only lesson that can be learned here is, does not have to do with like changing another person or sort of even like really conflict resolution. It's all about like People might not just like you instantaneously and no one has an obligation to include you in anything. So being a, an adult human is just about accepting that. And that's just I cannot imagine how you could possibly explain that to a child in any way other than, I guess, in this stor- sort of story form. Uh,
1: having experienced this book for many years, I'm, I've, I've gone back and forth personally, on whether or not it actually fulfills its mission. So I guess let's just take a walk through it and see if we can figure that out. Sure. All right, so where do we begin?
0: Um. Well, it's brother and sister just having fun summertime. Uh, this is the before. I, th- I find that a lot of the Berenstein Bears books are kind of torn between, like, the brother and sister harmony and then the ways in which, like, society from... especially outside from school kind of break up like the social harmony of their relationship Mm -hmm. so this is yet another instance in which like friendships are considered far more complicated in some ways than like the sibling conflicts they experience at home so you get this very long intro of like uh, sometimes the road ahead is not as smooth as we would like and Sister Bear is in for a harsh lesson (laughs) as far as (laughs) what it's like to sort of deal with society
1: they really stretch the metaphor like, yes, they're like, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna nail this. We're gonna bring this one home. It's uh, the road ahead is not as smooth as we would like. Sometimes there's unexpected potholes in the road of life. And Sister Bear was headed for a real wheelbuster, <laughs> which I think requires kids to understand not only the concept of metaphors, but also like what a pothole is and what wheelbuster means.
0: Yes, I don't I think I I know these books very well. And also like the voice in which they're told. And I don't remember like. I remember being amused by the tone of the narrator here, but not knowing what any of that meant as a <laughs> child. So
1: it means something. Yeah. But but you're right. It's funny. Uh, it's one thing I've been noticing as as I've gone along with these books is that they really do Stan and Jan really do spend a good amount of time showing demonstrating to the reader that brother and sister really do get along. Like there it's right. a, it's a strong bond between the two of them.
0: Yeah, just barring, you know, typical sibling issues like sharing and, you know, that sort of thing. I had, I was the older sibling, but I also had this, you know, one sibling of the opposite sex kind of relationship. And it definitely had that kind of feel to it where it was mostly kind of like playmates of around the same age. But uh, the conflicts that arise are just sort of are just sort of that. They're service level conflicts.
1: And it's really funny. It spends two pages here explaining their relationship because the rest of the book has absolutely nothing to do with brother.
0: Yes, I mean, maybe we could serve to isolate her a little bit more as a person, independent of a group. But Mm -hmm. uh, like, once she separates from him in school, but yeah, I think it. I think it to me, it only served to contrast like the uh, sort of naturally harmonious family unit with the chaotic social world.
1: Right, and it is pretty chaotic because I guess you turn the page and we're thrown into this pretty lively playground, a pretty fun looking playground.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of the, um, I like all the illustrative detail, even though it's, it's sort of uh, zoomed out like this, all the bears look basically the same, but they all are very cute. And I, I do love, uh, I, I love the cartoonish, I mean, the, not the cartoonish, but the uh, illustrative style that the, uh, the books have as far as, um, you know, the wider, we don't get a whole lot of these, I don't think, but uh, they're always sort of adorable when you see all little cubs running around.
1: Yeah, this is probably, I think, with the exception of maybe like a few shots from her birthday party, this is one of the largest spreads of just Cubs at Play that we've ever seen. We also meet Miss Mac, who's in charge of the the parks program, who is in charge of handing out equipment. Uh, We see Lizzie Bruin again, who was introduced a couple of books ago, and now she is solidly sister's best friend. And we're introduced to the concept of double Dutch.
0: (laughs) Yes, very key in uh, understanding the way that uh, social conflicts are are formed and broken on the playground.
1: I find double dutch an interesting choice because it's it's a smart choice because it, it allows them to show off sister as very good at one thing. Like she is personally very good at at double dutch, but it also requires a team.
0: Right? Um, yeah. It sort of it makes her the default leader of a social group until and has like a certain status until that is threatened.
1: Yeah. And we are for the first time given names are given to a larger number of young girl bears. Uh, we are we hear Anna, Millie, and Linda mentioned as as members of sisters' social group.
0: Yeah, and it's all very kind of eighties names as well. Linda, Linda the bear. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't
1: even thought about that, but it is. Yeah. Uh, they are kind of right on, and we get introduced. To a uh, to a new character who is destined to become a very common character in the series, and that is Queenie McBear.
0: I mean, this is we. we her character design is not uh, different from the other kids that are named and introduced here. Is that it? Just the the approach just seems to be like accessories, just yes. more accessories than uh, Brother Bear or Sister Bear do. And we're and we're given a
1: another peek behind the curtain at at, uh, at Stan and Jan Berenstain, who are at this point in their lives, they're not parents of young children; they're parents of adult children, and we're still we're seeing pop culture filtered through their perception. Uh, this is this is 1980s culture as seen by people who are now have possibly have grandkids. So it always seems just maybe a half step out of touch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I I might notice that now, but I think that but by the time I was reading these books as a kid, that was actually kind of on the same level I was at because mm-hmm. I was raised in a pretty conservative Catholic white uh, suburban area that like for the example of you know Queenie having pierced ears being this exciting thing like that w- I, that was roughly analogous to I, I, what I think was considered unusual in. Uh, where I grew up, especially for young kids. I remember I got my ears pierced for my 10th birthday and my dad was so mad. He like walked <laughs> out of the house. So, oh no. yeah, I know. I mean, it's just like a sort of a cultural ongoing, you know, waspy thing. But yeah,
1: <laughs> I guess when this book came out, I was a little bit older. But uh, but I definitely understand the the notion that that kids kind of look to their own popular culture to define what popular culture is. So if you're growing up with these books, it won't seem out of step because it's telling you what cool is.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. And And it seems to be a lot of bandanas and headbands There are so many headbands.
1: And (laughs) that, again, it's another one of those things. This is not an 80s thing. This will remain a Berenstain Bears thing. The headband will always mean cool, hip, with it, bear cub. Mm -hmm. Like until the end of time, Queenie is going to wear that headband.
0: Totally. And look pretty good. She does look
1: pretty good. (laughs) She's confident. She's going to fill, she kind of fills the same role that Too Tall fills in that she's introduced as kind of an aggressive older character who over time just kind of becomes one of the gang. It's always going to be a little bit of a troublemaker, but never crosses the line into downright bullying. She's just kind of a tough older kid.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's physically, she seems physically bigger than a lot of the other characters too. So there's like, there's the, the character design I think speaks to a lot of that. Yeah, I think
1: she's supposed to be older. I I'm not quite clear on that. She includes she ultimately starts including sister and Lizzie in a lot of her stuff, but she comes across as older, at least a little wiser, more mature, mm-hmm. but she is pretty sharp.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that the uh the colors I, th- I noticed that there's a lot of like the primary color watercolor painting going on in this particular illustration of Queenie showing everyone her 10-speed bike. Oh right. And right. everyone has like a sol a solid uh shirt, solid pants, but she has these yellow accessories that make her stand out.
1: Queenie immediately takes an adversarial position against Sister Bear.
0: Yes. Uh I think this is kind of an interesting moment for more than one reason because i I think it is sort of strange that for at least for a kid to be introduced to the idea that like some people will just be hostile to you for no reason. Yeah. Um, like your, presumably your peers or kids who are in your school. Um, but it also, like for me, it kind of raised the question of like, are brother and sister bear considered unusual names for, (laughs) like, I mean, I know that they must have expanded the characters outward after, you know, the first few books, but like, it, I, it would be pretty weird if I knew a kid who was name was just sister, like that kid would probably have been made fun of.
1: I... I mean, obviously, the kids were named when it was just an isolated family of bears that are meant to teach rhyming words. And I wonder how much of this page is the Berenstain's kind of lampshading that notion. Like, yes, we know it's funny and you've asked about it. So we're actually going to call attention to it.
0: Or and plus sister's uh, costume, like her character design, like the fork, we need to point out that. Uh, you've got to be kidding with those clothes, a pink ruffled jumper and a hair bow. Like, I, to me, that's kind of pointing out that the character design of Sister Bear is incredibly simplistic and is like basically Minnie Mouse. Yes. Um, and, and that that is unusual if we're going to have an entire town full of, you know, roughly analogous humanoid bears.
1: Right. That That is supposed to always represent the, the year in which it was written. But she is going to forever be dressed as a, as a cartoon child from the late 70s. <laughs> In her response, she says it's my kind of name.
0: Mm-hmm. And as for
1: my clothes, which I which I love. I love the fact that yeah. she's like I'm she sister is a fighter and she always will be. Um like not a aggr- like she's not aggressive, but she doesn't take guff. Well, like lying down.
0: Yeah, if this if if I had if this were not a sister bear story and it were a Caroline bear story, uh-huh. the next panel would be me folding in on myself psychologically and like never getting over it and like the next scene is like me as a thirty five year old bear just in a therapist's office recounting this exact moment. So uh, yeah, she does she does definitely put up with it a lot better than perhaps your typical kid, which, you know, points to Sister Bear.
1: It is points to Sister Bear, and I think it's a I think it's a pretty good example for kids. Like she's not fighting with Queenie, she's just I mean, obviously it upsets Sister when the cubs ride off with her. But yeah,
0: it, it, makes, it makes Queenie's presumed like dominance and leadership seem that much more arbitrary. So I guess we are able to believe her friends just came back for the same reason that you know Queenie is, might be a little annoying, but she also is very um, both she and Sister Bear have like presumably strong personalities. Yeah. And
1: everyone has a love of soft ice cream. <laughs> yes, there's uh, Queenie is like, hey, come on, gang, let's go to the Dairy Bear for some soft ice cream, my treat. So she's gonna buy soft ice cream for everyone, and uh, Anna, Millie, Linda, and sister are uh, oh Anna, Millie, and Linda go with her because they're they're promised soft ice cream because it's not just ice cream and it's not soft serve, it's soft ice cream.
0: Yeah, this might be one of the many areas in which the uh, Berenstains own. You know, maybe local parlance or uh, cultural background might come into play here. Or maybe was so- maybe soft serve was like copywritten or- at the time. I mean, now that like Dairy Bear, Dairy Queen, I don't right. know. Right. I mean, we know what they're talking about. Yeah. I guess,
1: I don't know. Have you, I don't, I've never said like, I want to go to Dairy Queen for some soft serve. Like to me, it's ice. If you go to Dairy Queen for ice cream, you know what you're getting.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's just that the, uh, Though they keep repeating that phrase too, as if it's an un—it's like an, an undisputable fact of the universe that soft ice cream will make people do things <laughs> that they might not otherwise do.
1: I'm not actually going to argue with that, because if someone offers to buy me Dairy Queen, even if I'm not hungry, I will usually go for it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I guess we're Queenie's friends now. <laughs>
1: In a way, we're all Queenie's friends. That's our that's our secret shame.
0: Yeah. So Queenie's just
1: been rude to sister in front of everyone.
0: This is another thing that I think is actually, like, super important to talk to kids about, but you can't really, I mean, at least very delicately, because, like, this is a thing, too, that she'll also encounter in adolescence and beyond, of, like, people you thought were your friends sort of arbitrarily, you know, uh, sort of seeing someone else in their social circle is perhaps more desirable of their time. And, you know, basically, like, it's it's taking on issues of popularity here, too, which mm-hmm. I think kids wouldn't encounter until later. But it is important to introduce that idea as early as possible. And she does have Lizzie, though. Lizzie sticks by her. She which is does. Nice.
1: Which she doesn't seem too happy with at the time. Because, I mean, obviously, she's in a lot of shock right now. Mm-hmm. You see it in the next picture where she's literally sitting at the dinner table with like this thousand yard stare <laughs> as the family's like just eating around her and she just she's stuck like she's just she's it's kind of like snapped her little mind. Yeah. What is happening? I know. And I think it's it's not just a a character thing, it's kind of a literary thing. Like this is a new it's a new idea that's been introduced into the Berenstain Bear books, which is older kids kind of acting like like popular jerks yeah i kind of feel like it's not just sister reacting to this it's kind of like the world of the bears like we're getting a little more modern now
0: okay yeah i'm not as familiar with like the entire sort of chronological continuum of it but i imagine that uh sort of more nebulous social problems would be tempting to cover but there's an interesting in that scene uh, that you mentioned with Sister, kind of on uh, Mama Bear's knee and saying, like, you know, she made fun of my name, my clothes, my hair bow, me. There's Brother Bear has a look on his face like he under- like he's been through the exact same thing. Like he, like it is an older kid thing to go through this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I do like that she says my name, my clothes, my hair bow, me. Like it kind of gets to the heart of the problem. Like she wasn't, she wasn't attacking something superficial. She was attacking who I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh. I think it's again to Sister Bear's credit that she's able to make that connection. Um, especially, I mean, there another version of this story might have had her, you know, wearing something like Queenie's wearing and like trying to fit in, or, you know, having more direct conflict with Queenie for that reason. Whereas I think Sister Bear knows that, like, yes, this is like an arbitrary thing, but she's just this girl is just coming at me for reasons I can't understand.
1: Yeah, and Mama, you know, she's like, she's just, you know. It wasn't nice. She was just trying to make an impression.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's not that's not an unempathetic way for an adult to see, you know, a child who does this. Like, mm-hmm. it is it it. I think it might be useful useful to see Queenie's actions as their own kind of, you know, her addressing a need. Yeah, and you know that that's that's what all these sort of playground conflicts come down to. It's how kids express their needs that are not being met in whatever way at home or in their larger group of friends. And that's what ends up with hurt feelings sometimes. I think it, I think kids are probably not able to see empathetically the context behind another person's actions as long as they are still picking on me. So oh, certainly not. That's, yeah. a, that's how she responds.
1: But it explains to me why mama and papa respond the way they do.
0: Yeah, they're, which is they're, they're good. They're good parents in this moment, I think. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Very much so. Papa doesn't fly off the handle. No, you know, like he will in other books. But this, they they deal with, I think, appropriately. Um, they tell sister to wait till the next morning, see if things look better. Sister wakes up, does feel better. She's going to go to the playground on her tricycle and ask about the double Dutch tournament that is coming up, and then something happens on the road to the playground.
0: Yes, if it's if the first brush with Queenie was not traumatic enough, she is then left literally in Queenie's dust as uh the whole rest of the gang on their bikes fly by. Yeah,
1: and sister pedals back home angrily takes brother Bear's bicycle out of the shed and tries to ride it so she can show that Queenie McBear and there's a shot, there's a, a uh, an illustration of sister falling on the large bike in what <laughs> in what looks like a pretty painful fall. Yeah. Um that honestly kind of breaks my heart to see because I know that feeling. I know that feeling of like powerlessness.
0: There it's definitely drawn to make her look very too very, too small a person to ride this particular bike yeah. certainly. And it reminds me of how I feel whenever I try and ride a bike, especially (laughs) in the city. So I'm very sympathetic to that feeling, too.
1: And Mama doesn't even rush out to try to help her. Mama's inside and it's just like, oh, oh, no. And then she just calls her in. Um,
0: They're incredibly, I feel like maybe it's just in this book or you can say if it's in general, but like especially Mama seems very zen about letting her kids encounter conflict or even like some, you know, physical discomfort. Yeah, Um, uh,
1: Alana and I refer to it uh, when we talk about the Berenstain Bears as uh, 70s parenting, (laughs) which is just kind of like you let your kids out, they run around, they get hurt, they have conflicts with other kids, and you really only step in when you absolutely have to.
0: Uh, So, like, Mama had a pretty good idea that Sister's attempt to ride the two-wheeler had something to do with Queenie and the in crowd, like just watching her from a window, just Mm -hmm. like... Hmm, this sounds like what I've I mean, it, it's very it's caring and attentive, but it's not just like, "Oh god, get off that bike." Right. So.
1: And uh, well, and then the next page you find out that mother, that mama bear is very caring because she's gone out without even being asked and is trying to find a solution to sister bear's problem uh through through the power of 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 wardrobe.
0: I don't know. I mean, like is it are we supposed to take this as Mom is saying, well, of course she won't like these clothes as much as she likes what she wears all the time, or rather what she's drawn to wear all the time. And this is just a moment where she can be taught a lesson. Or is it actually like, you might have, in life, you might have to change a little bit to get people to like you?
1: Well, this is where, this is where I think the big crux of the book is like this one scene. Like this is where, You could, as a writer, have gone in many different directions with how Sister Bear is going to handle this conflict. Because fitting in and being yourself aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But I do honestly think that Mama Bear is being sincere. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Mama Bear went to Bear Target or wherever (laughs) and was like, all right, well, let's. Let's see what we can do. Like, let's see what Sister Bear... She doesn't seem disappointed. She's not like, oh, now I'm going to have to go return these clothes. Yeah. Like, she's... <laughs> I, I honestly think that she's... If Sister Bear had said, yeah, I like this, the Mama Bear would have been like, great.
0: Yeah. It definitely looks as if she did some research on what the kids are into as of the late 80s with, uh, again, more more sweatband, headband, stripes, jeans sort of deal. Like, it makes her look like a boy. It, it, but it, it, it really in reveals, like an 80s way. It yeah. really
1: reveals that like the gender signifiers of the bears themselves are few and far between.
0: Yeah. But, you know, she still looks, they don't really make too much of a big deal of that. It's more that like, it looks more like what Queenie's wearing, especially yeah. with the headband.
1: It's these big, bold, green and white stripes. Uh, is that a V-neck top? How does that I'm work? I'm not
0: sure. Like there's there and the other characters were wearing a lot of like kerchiefs. So yeah. maybe
1: I don't see it tied anywhere in the back. It, it looks like a V neck, but also like she's not, I don't think she's wearing anything under it. So maybe it's just like a V design, like on the front of this pullover.
0: Yeah. It's it looks. Well, when it, she, when she change, she decides that she doesn't need to change essentially. But then I love the, the little inset illustration of her changing back. And looking kind of kind of have like an angry, vengeful look on her face. Yeah. And then like being fully back in costume and like like with her eyebrows down, yelling into the phone. Yeah. I really liked. <laughs> well, I like what she
1: says. In like a in like a very tiny, just a brief monologue, Sister Bear is gracious for mama's attempts at helping her out. She uh manages to state her her life thesis, which is that she loves herself, she likes the way she is, she states that she's not going to change herself for anyone, and that she doesn't care about being part of the in-crowd. She says, like, I really appreciate these things, but I like me, and I'm not going to change myself. She marches over to the phone and she's, as you said, angrily tells Lizzie (laughs) we're doing the double Dutch tournament.
0: Yeah, this is like, this is like the third act of her, uh, like, dance movie, like, ending in a dance-off. It Only in this case, it's double-dutch. Now, I don't know
1: how to double-dutch. I know how to jump rope, but I've never double-dutched. Have you?
0: Uh, If I did at one point, it is long gone, so I've, I have no idea. I've seen it done, but um, usually in, like... Like, little girls doing it at such a professional level, like, you, <laughs> would, you would want to sit and watch.
1: For me, it was always the little girls on, like, the filmed interstitials on Sesame Street. They would oh, yeah. uh, there would always be kids double-dutching in, like, the city scenes. And, mm-hmm. uh, but this book makes it very clear that every bear knows how to double-dutch. Because Brother Bear is on a team... Cousin Fred, two talls gang is is involved, and Queenie's yeah. got uh, a team, and which they hadn't even alluded to really. But sister is there with her friends um, because they had gotten tired of how snooty Queenie was getting.
0: Yeah, I kind of like how in the maybe in the world of the Berenstein Bears, uh, double dutch and jump rope are kind of like what arm wrestling is in the in over the top the <laughs> Sylvester Stallone movie. Where, like, everyone knows how to do it, and everyone is just waiting to do it at any given moment.
1: Right, right. Uh, it's something that is innate to bears. <laughs> yes. Like, they couldn't, maybe they do have a problem with arm wrestling, maybe just because of their bone structure. <laughs> but jumping over two, two rotating ropes is just something that, you know, like a, 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 an actual bear couldn't do because they're not intelligent enough. But you give them the mind of a human, and they're ready to go to town.
0: Yeah, that maybe maybe bear country is just the land of the uh, the species of double dutching bears.
1: Well, this book would give us every reason to believe that because <laughs> they are all fantastic, except Queenie, she screws up not because she's not good at double dutch, but because she chooses to wear beads and big hoop earrings.
0: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I think this was the book kind of trying to make a point of like her being a being snooty and like the the accessories being a sign of her, you know, self centeredness. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's kind of an uncomfortable like femininity thing going on here as well. How like, you know, sister is tempted to conform to Queenie's style, sense of style, and sense of being a, an older girl, but it is in fact Queenie's older girl, sort of more perhaps more mature, perhaps more fem- traditionally feminine. Uh, aspects that, you know, are an impediment to her. I mean, I don't know, like, it's it's definitely not meant to be taken that seriously, but, like, I feel like there's a little bit of a, like, the, the triumph we're supposed to feel over her in that moment, I think, is a little bit complicated.
1: No, I agree, because they could very easily have said, like, Queenie had been so busy bicycling around and trying to, and buying soft serve ice cream for her friends that she hadn't practiced enough. Mm-hmm. And instead we're led to believe that the that her earrings and her, her beads were her downfall, even though the the rope twirlers, the rope turners, would have had to have gotten the rope close enough to her head <laughs> to have caught in the earrings and close enough to her neck to have caught in the necklace. And that's not Queenie's fault. Like that's bad rope turning.
0: No. And and plus uh sister looks a little too satisfied at Queenie's discomfort in that. In that one uh, page there, she looks has the same kind of angry eyebrows, but like somewhat disturbing smile. yeah we are us
1: uh, <laughs> when uh, we're led to believe that a uh, sister because sister and her friends are actually they're double dutching simultaneously, like there's three cubs uh, uh, jumping rope at once, and they're all able to concentrate on Queenie's performance while they're doing this
0: they just they just ball so hard.
1: I <laughs> guess they do. I guess that is Bear Bear Country's uh Bear Country's uh version of ball so hard. Mm-hmm. is is super double dutch and there there's a frequent undermining of the cubs' accomplishments uh, in the books by giving them this smug satisfied look.
0: I mean, I think it's kind of funny. Like I I think that the characters are kind of I, I, like we talked about Papa Bear before, like he's definitely a character who's allowed to have like selfish moments or silly moments. And I don't think that the kids especially are above that. Yeah. But uh, I think it might be, you know, the Berenstain's kind of amusing themselves in the moment rather than like putting so much pressure on the characters being moral models.
1: Right, right. I know I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I do like the way the book ends because Sister wins the... uh. Sister's team wins, but it's treated as sister winning. The the double Dutch tournament, she's hoisted onto the shoulders of her friends, paraded <laughs> around the, the playground, and Queenie, I feel, actually comes out on top at the end, because she's a good sport. She realizes what she had done to screw herself up, I guess. She, well, she learned doesn't the,
0: change her outfit. She doesn't change her outfit.
1: She apparently has learned the lesson, she says at the very end, the last line of the book is, I, I've already learned my lesson, that's what Queenie says, but... The only lesson I think she would have learned was don't wear earrings while double-dutching.
0: Yeah, but she seems pretty attached to having as much uh, accessories and bling as possible. Perhaps maybe not when she's double-dutching, but in general.
1: Well, I guess because to me, like, the book is trying to say that Queenie's learned to not be a jerk, I guess. But I think what she learned is, like, either change your jewelry or don't do (laughs) double-dutch. Like because she didn't, she is she wasn't given any comeuppance for being a jerk earlier. She just lost a double dutch tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean, if anything, this is it. It sort of validates the popularity contest aspect of their of their rivalry, and not like the idea that you know. When you grew up, you might have to do this, but it doesn't really mean anything and you shouldn't take yourself worth from it, you know? Yeah,
1: it it, it, it switches one. God, I don't know how to put it, but it's like it says if you don't fit in this way, then you can find a way to show up the person you don't fit in with. Or it's it's a little muddy to me. I'm not really sure what the final message seems to be.
0: I mean, I think we're supposed to feel good about Sister Bear because she's giving lessons to people. Like, she's given, she's sort of, you know, paying it forward as far as her own talents go instead of sort of lording them over other people. But uh, it doesn't necessarily result in uh, a character conflict, which, you know, would not, to me, which would be the, the natural conclusion of this sort of story.
1: Right. I mean, even if they had had Queenie say, like, Hey sister, would you show me how to do that? Like a little give on like because it isolates Queenie at the end and doesn't actually have her resolve anything with Sister Bear. We're just kind of left dangling as to I don't know. I don't know. There's just something there's something vaguely unsatisfying to me about the way the book ends.
0: No, I get that. Maybe I mean the only sort of reading I can draw from it is that like all another part of socializing with other people your age when you get older is that like it's not about implementing like who's at fault versus any anyone learning a lesson, but I, I don't think that that's that's the kind of thing that like literally a children's book is out there to uh, put forward because without moral lessons, maybe there wouldn't be any more children's books. Right.
1: I mean, I, I guess you could say like it's about like sister saying, you know what, I don't need to join this group. Mm-hmm. I'm good at something, and I can be good at something, and that's okay, and I can enjoy. My own talents and my own abilities and just leave Queenie to do her thing because, you know, I, I'm, I'm good at I'm good at my being myself and I don't need to be good at being Queenie's friend.
0: Yeah, or just being the thing that Queenie seems to be for other people, like a kid who has money to treat other kids, to essentially bribe other kids and hang out with her with her bike and her soft, soft ice cream.
1: How does this from a from a, a, a personal perspective? How true does this situation kind of ring to you?
0: Um, I definitely wasn't, as I said, I just definitely wasn't as confident as Sister Bear. I was the kind of kid to, like, really want a specific other kid to be my friend and then, like, but already just be, like, very, very much too intense about it and, like, show them pictures I had drawn of them and probably really freak them out. But, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, trying to arrange a play date only for them not to want to do it, and feeling like very sad. Like I don't know. Like I've, to, to me, the more useful thing is how to deal with disappointment when other people act in ways that you can't control. Um, on the level of just like hurt feelings among among friends, because that's another thing that children I think should be prepared for, like the the the, the vulnerability of trying to make friends, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think this book is honestly trying to deal with much of that, but it is dealing with the question of like, why wouldn't someone why would someone decide they don't like me without knowing me?
1: Yeah, it's a tough question to resolve, and it's a kind of a tough subject to even bring up with kids.
0: I guess maybe yeah.
1: maybe if a child had experienced something like this, then you could introduce them to this story as a kind of a way of illustrating the problem,
0: yeah, or just that, you know, you can be your, you can be yourself and as long as you're good at, at at things i guess but i don't know i was also the kind of kid who like i don't i didn't need to know that i was good at things i knew i was good at things but like making friends is the hard part so right. any <laughs> any help i could have had that with that would have been much appreciated i mean i think that i think that as, as soon as a kid can understand that like they're not owed anything from other people mm. the probably the, the more uh, I mean, they are owed like decency, but not like not emotional validation all the time. The more that a kid, the earlier a kid knows that probably the more um, confident and sort of uh, together they might be as an adult.
1: You know, you form your allegiances and they come and go. And I think that's another thing that that kids have to learn is that children themselves are fickle. And you're best friends one day, and then the next day you're nothing, and you've moved on to someone else. And then you get back together like a week later, and it's as if nothing ever happened.
0: Yeah, I guess I just wasn't ever – as a kid, I just wasn't ever like that. I don't know. Like I was never – I remember if a kid decided they didn't want to hang out with me or be my friend, I would just think like, what, but why? (laughs) Like I would be so – just devastated by it because, like, I took things like loyalty very seriously. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess over at the end of the day, like, a children's book can only apply to kids as generally as as it can because kids are going to have their own backgrounds and their own psychology and their own personal needs and reactions to things. And I think that's one of the things the Berenstain's tried to do is, is generalize stuff enough so that most kids could relate to it on some level. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that on the and the front is the front page with the title and the where the uh, like there's like a splash page where you see sister kind of waving goodbye to a bunch of cubs bicycling off um, on the title page there's a, you see queenie in the lead you see four bears behind her and there's this one bear with a with glasses and an earring wearing a uh, red and yellow striped top and like a neckerchief. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say that I always thought that that bear was pretty cool looking.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely anticipating some of the the hipster looks of the 21st century.
1: Yeah, I hesitated to use the word hipster because...
0: I think the glasses and the earring and the kerchief and the stripes are all very in that area.
1: It's a loaded phrase, but you could definitely transplant this cub into a, into a modern day book rather easily and have her be like the... The top of the food chain in that one. So this is the part of the show where we decide whether or not this book uh, belongs on a Berenstain Bear bookshelf or if you could return it to the library or donate it to your local uh, Goodwill without any qualms. I personally feel like it's a it's a solid enough book. I think it gets a little muddied at the end with its message, but I think that it has a lot of neat things to say about a child's sense of self-worth and valuing who you are and not kowtowing to the to the pressures of a, of a of a group of popular kids uh i know that my kids always enjoy hearing it it's not one of the you know more exciting or hilarious Berenstain bear books out there but i think it has it has a nice message uh of of individuality and that it doesn't Contradict itself too bad in a way a lot of Berenstain Bear books with big messages tend to do so I personally uh, say yes it has a place on the bookshelf where do you stand Caroline
0: um, I think so too I think but I do think it's uh, with the caveat that I think it could be more of a conversation starter than anything uh, mm-hmm. this is a it is a pretty difficult topic I think it's one that uh, a kid could benefit from having a parent to talk to about just like you know, why doesn't this, why do not why doesn't this specific kid that I know like me? Or why did this other kid like tell me we're going to have a play date and then didn't want to? Like it, it takes a parent to say like, you know, you are worthy of love and you have your self-worth is one of the important things you, most important things you have, but you can't change, you can't win them all. You can't please everyone. Like they're just, they're going to be kids who have their own thing going on and we just need to accept that, and I don't think the ending of that book makes that as clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the very sort of simple scenario could make it more uh, illustrative of that topic.
1: I totally agree, and I would say that there just there needs to be a, a repackaging of older Berenstain Bear books under the heading conversation starter, <laughs> because we've had several books now that the response is pretty much like it's okay. It's it's better as a conversation starter. And because, you know, it it introduces a lot of ideas that it doesn't necessarily follow through on. But I think a smart parent would be able to would be able to figure out where they want to go with that. So I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Caroline, where can our listeners find you online?
0: I am the host of the Loose Cannon podcast, as you mentioned before. That's C-A-N-O-N. And you can find us at loosecannonpod.com. There are links to iTunes and all the regular RSS feed, uh, Android catchers you can use. Um, We're also on Twitter and Facebook at Loose Cannon Pod. And we try and update every two weeks. And I think by the time this episode comes out, we will have one of our uh, October Halloween month episodes on the movie Hellraiser. So yeah, subscribe and listen to that.
1: You can find us at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com where you can find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, uh, iTunes, everything else you need to find for a podcast. Uh, Next week, we will start our two-part Halloween specials where we will be discussing the Berenstain Bears and the ghost of the forest and the Berenstain Bears trick or treat. So our Halloween specials are coming up. Caroline, thank you once again for joining me.
0: Thank you. This is really fun.
1: Yeah, it really has been. And for everyone else out there, we will see all of you next time deep in bear country.